Hello friends and welcome to this service. We're starting a series today called The Mysteries of God. And today we're going to focus in on the plans of God, that God had a plan. He is a planner, which really amazes quite a lot of people. But before time began, God had a plan and he's been working that plan for thousands of years. And today we want to talk about this grand mystery. There's so much about God that is mysterious. There's so much about him that's profound and awesome. And uh, so many people will tell you, look, he's just so sublime and he's so amazing that you can't possibly know him. That's the furthest thing from the truth. We can come to know him. We can discover who he is and we can know some of his mysteries because he likes to share his secrets and his mysteries with people who love him and who know him. And so today I just want to focus in on the plans that God has, the grand plan of God and his plans for you specifically and for me as well. First thing we have to know is that God has a plan and God's been working that plan for ages and ages. Now, Paul, the apostle, is trying to explain to a church in Ephesus about his ministry because Paul began and he arrives on the scene and he begins to preach to a group of people who've been told their entire life that the Jews are special and the Jews are God's chosen people and all the rest of the people, the Gentiles specifically, are just evil and ugly and God could not possibly want anything to do with them. And Paul arrives on the scene after having an encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. He's just blown away, transforms his whole life, and he goes and he spends time just asking the Lord, could you explain this message and this plan to me? And so God explained it to him. And Paul bursts on the scene and he starts to tell everybody, hey guys, I want you to know that God's love is not just for one nation, it's for every nation under the sun. And that just freaked a lot of people out, to be honest because they were quite comfortable and used to being special. And when they heard that God loves everybody, it was a a bit of a downer, to be honest. But Paul writes to them and he's trying to explain this. He's trying to explain, listen, I'm not trying to make this up. This is something that is in the heart of God. So in Ephesians 3 from verse 8 to 10, actually I'm going to read from verse 2. He says, surely you've heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I've already written to you briefly. In reading this, you'll understand my insight into this mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed by God's Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. Although I'm less than the least of all of God's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. Because his intent was that now, through the church, the multifaceted wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Paul says, basically, if you... It's a complicated scripture, but Paul says this. Guys, I was entrusted with one of the mysteries of God because God has mysteries and that's what our series is about. But I was entrusted with one and, and Paul says, listen, guys, I want you to know that for ages past, this has always been the plan of God. He has always, with a singularity, been working towards this one message. And he said, but he kept it hidden because it wasn't time for everybody to understand. And God has been introducing concepts and ideas and little pieces of this puzzle, little parts of the plan, right up until this present time. But now he wants the full demonstration of his plan. He wants his plan made manifest. He wants people to understand it. He wants you to know and me to know that he's always had a plan for your life. 
and that plan is good and it's astounding. And that's just what Jeremiah the prophet said in the Old Testament. God gave him a little snippet because Jeremiah was moaning about some of the things were going on in his life and the life of Israel. And God said this in Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. This is an astounding and beautiful thing. See, God wants to give you hope, not harm. He said, not to harm you, but to give you hope. They're not harmful. They're hopeful. This is the dream of God for your life. So many people, when they, when they hear God has a plan, they want to run screaming because they just see harm. And I, friends, I just want to tell you, all you're going to see is hope when God gets a hold of your life. So firstly, you must understand God has a plan. And that plan, He's been working that plan for a long, long time. In these days, we have begun to see His plan. We've heard the plan. We've heard the story of God. And I want to pick up on that story. I want to tell you that story again today because it's a, it's a story worth hearing because it can possibly change your entire life and destiny. See, God's plan, He had a design. God had a design in mind. God wanted to create mankind in His own image. He didn't want to create mankind as another animal on the earth to populate the earth. He wanted a being in His own image. And so this is what Genesis 1 verse 26 and 27 says. And then God said, Let us make mankind in our image and in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and of the birds of the sky and over all the livestock and over all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Men and women created in the image of God. In Latin, that's called imago Dei. It's it's the Latin for in the image of God. And it's a big debate in Christian circles in theology. God made mankind. What does it mean? We've been made in his image. Uh, People of the same moral and spiritual and intellectual essence as God. In order for them to have dominion on the earth and in order for them to be able to connect and have a relationship with the living God. See, God didn't just want to create animals, beings. He's not interested in a zoo. God wanted companionship. God wanted to connect. God wanted to have real relationship with you. And so when he created mankind in his own image, that's exactly what he was hoping for. It's exactly the point of all of that. He designed you to be in relationship with him and to have dominion over the earth. But I want to look at the intricacies of that design, some of the mysteries of God. Because God's design was so that you could have freedom. God designed mankind with freedom. He could have created us as subhuman. That is to say, with basic animal instincts, but no image of God, no moral, no intellectual, no spiritual ability. He didn't have to share His own image with us. He could have created us as robots, hardwired to obey Him at all times, trained monkeys to do His will. God could have taken that image out of us. He could have made us just so that we just have base instincts. But instead, He set us up with a rational understanding, with an ability to express ourselves and to be creative, the capacity to explore and the potential to grow and develop. God built into mankind His own image, which is profound. It's an immense gift. 
And all that creative ability, all that ability to think for yourself, to express for yourself, to dream your own dream, to walk in your own path, to march to your own drum, this is the gift of God. Imago Dei, He has made you so that you're in His image. He gave you the freedom of self-actualization, for self-expression. God's design was for you to be free. Now, that freedom is within a context, obviously. It's within the context of this world with its physical laws and opportunities. And He gave mankind the supremacy over the earth. We get to rule. And we have the right and the responsibility to rule and to govern on the earth. But it's also not just in a physical framework, but in a a moral framework. We're free, but not to hurt or rebel or or to damage other people because it'll hurt us and other people. And I think we can all agree that the world we live in has some amazing beauty to it, but it also has some terrible ugliness that comes from man's inhumanity to man when mankind walks away from what God has suggested to us. When we step away in rebellion from the plan of God, what happens is we just start to hurt ourselves and others. And so God said, look, I want to create a freedom for you. Now, this freedom comes along with a set of kind of guidelines. Listen, don't do that. That'll hurt you. Don't do that. That'll hurt others. But this is the way you should go. Walk in it. But God ultimately designed people, designed you and designed me. And His design included a passion for your freedom. The second part of God's design, the second part of what He wanted for you, was He wanted you to be without fear. Now, this is something that... Uh, Not many religions are taught. God simply has the power to bring everything under His control. Right now, if God wanted to, He could force our submission at any second. See, if if He wanted to just take dominion over the earth, He could show up in His glory. He could dazzle us. He could get all of mankind in terror in an instant. He could just shake the earth or, or tear up the sky or shout or blaze or destroy God could do that easily. But His plan wasn't to have terror-ridden subjects. He didn't want dominated and groveling creatures. He wanted lovers. He wanted people who can stand in their own freedom, stand without fear, and make a choice to love Him. Not to be petrified of Him, not to run screaming from Him, but to eagerly desire to be with Him. Now, on an individual level, God can induce me or you to submission in any one of a million ways right now. If God was to exercise Himself against us, we wouldn't stand a chance. Because the relative power is not even close. Even if the whole of mankind bands together, the relative power is not even close. He could make us do just about anything He wanted. But He didn't create us for that. And so He hasn't set it up that way. Now, A healthy fear and respect for God is fitting. Just like if your spouse lives an exemplary life and and they're extremely honorable people and they earn their doctorate by hard work and they celebrate it in the community, it's fitting that we give people like that the respect that they've earned. So when we come to God, it's fitting because He deserves our utmost respect. He deserves awe and wonder. Not because He's trying to create fear in us, just because that's an appropriate response to who He is. But He designed it so that we can come and know Him. He has set it up so that we could. And when we discover His greatness and His goodness, when we draw ourselves near, He is mind-blowingly good. And those who know Him best, those who know Him best, 
have the utmost respect and awe for him. God wanted us free. He wanted us free from fear. And then God wanted us in relationship with himself. God's plan always included a relationship with him. Mankind works best in relationship with God. You and I were designed to function with God in our lives and separated from his life at war with him, rebelling against him is a tough and lonely and hard place to be in this world. It's depressing, really, because there's no one else to call on for help. There's nowhere else to go. There is no other wisdom to seek. And so this idea that we can live a life that is fruitful and anywhere near the dream that he had for us without him in our life, it's just foolish. God's plans for us were always for us to know him, to be at peace with him, to be able to hear his advice, to partner with his plan, because his plans, again, are, are hopeful, not harmful. But what kind of relationship does God have in mind? And friends, here's the big mystery. Here's one of the mysteries of God, that God designed you to be in a loving relationship with him. He wants you to see him accurately and to love him deeply because he sees you accurately and loves you deeply. And when God was setting up this mystery of God, the grand plan of God, is when God set up a relationship between mankind and himself, he did not want to make it a relationship of subjection. He didn't want to make it a relationship where he dominates. He didn't want to make it a relationship where we're petrified of him. He wanted to make it a relationship where there is mutuality, where we love him and he loves us. He could have made us robots incapable of self-expression. He could have made us fearful slaves, too scared to disobey. He could compel us with his power to obey. But what he chose to do, what has always been his plan, is to introduce us to his love. The most compelling relationship any of us could have is one of mutual love and respect. And that's always been the plan of God. See, religion has taught us, don't you dare expect you could have a relationship with God. Don't you dare expect to experience God's love. Look at all the bad things you've done. Look how horrible you are. You have to earn your way back. And maybe, maybe at the end of years of hard work, you could possibly maybe get a quick, brief audience with God and just hope that you survive. No, my friends, that is absolutely not the story at all. That was never God's plan. God's plan was for you and for me to know Him in all all the beauty that is our life. God wanted us to know him in love. He wanted a particular kind of relationship, one steeped in love. This is his plan. Now, from the beginning of time, God knew the risks of him giving us our freedom. And he, he knew the risks of not leading us or dominating us with fear. He knew that if he made us in his image, that would inevitably land uh, mankind into the place where we could make our own choices and probably land in a ditch without him. So his plan from the beginning included not only to give mankind all of this freedom, but to ensure that when man mankind messed up, when we committed sin, when we got involved in shameful activities, that he would pay, that somebody other than mankind would pay because he knew between you and I, we, we would run up a debt so quickly that we'd never be able to repay it. 
And so when God gave us the beauty of life and he gave us the beauty of self-expression and he gave us the beauty of freedom and freedom from fear and he called us to this place, he understood some people are going to mess up. And friends, the truth is we all have. There's simply no one that we know. There's no one that you know, that I know, that is free from this. We all have messed up and we all need somebody to pay for us. So before time began, because this was always the plan of God, before he created a single element in the physical universe, God had a plan. And the plan was that Jesus Christ, before time began, decided, I'm going to be the one who'll pay for all the sins of everybody that I create. So Jesus went ahead and created mankind already knowing when he created us that he was going to die to pay for all of our sins so that we would have a fighting chance at coming to the Father. So that when we steeped in shame and condemnation and we know we've messed up, that we could not redeem ourselves, that there was somebody who could just take all of that off the table and say, I've paid for that. Come and talk to the Father in my name. God did it this way, friends, because he's trying to shout into the microphone of our lives. He wants you to see the extent of his love not of his anger against sin, not of the righteous rebuke, not of the wrath of God. While all those things were accounted for in Jesus, what God wants you to know is his love. And Jesus is called the sacrifice that was killed from the foundation of the world. That means in God's plan, he was the one designated to pay for all the mess. That was who Jesus was. And he happily accepted that role because he loved you. God wanted you to know his love. He chose Jesus' life and his death and his resurrection to be the biggest demonstration of how much he loves you. It was his extravagant uh, planned out idea that I'm going to show mankind how much I love them. God wants a real relationship with you. And it wants, he wants that relationship to be based on love. Not on fear, not on you running away but on you drawing yourself near by making a choice, by making a decision and saying, Lord, I'd like to get to know you. I'd like to experience that love. See, I'm pretty certain that everybody, if you get quiet and in the moment when you think about spiritual things, in the secret places of your heart and in mine, we come to a place where we know, I really hope there is a God who is as good as they say. I really hope there is a God who loves us as much as they proclaim. I really hope that there is a savior as powerful as they say Jesus is. Because what would it be like if every sin could be washed away and you could come to God just and cry out to him and say, Lord, would you have mercy on me? Would you start a relationship with me? Can we walk together? Because friends, if, if, if that yearning is in your heart, then this message is for you. Because I'm telling you this is the truth. Let me read to you from 1 John 3 verse 16, because this is what the Bible teaches. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. This is how we know. How do you know God loves me, Greg? Well, he sent his own son to die to pay for your sin and for mine. We're in the same boat here. We both need a savior. We both have a way for all our sins to be washed, every shameful act, everything that brings us condemnation, everything that causes us not to be able to sleep at night, all of that washed away because one person, the Lord Jesus Christ, gave up his life for you. 1 John 4 verse 9, 
This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. See, God wants you to know He loves you and He'll never stop loving you. He'll never back off of His love for you. This has always been His plan. It has been His plan through generations, thousands and thousands of years. God has been working one single plan and He's come to this place. As Paul said, now we're in the age where we understand, we get a glimpse of this mystery, the eternal plan of God, that His plan was to see your life blessed and prospered. So Greg, what should I do? Get with the program. Most people I know have, some, have already heard some version of this story that I've just said to you. But some people still haven't committed their lives to the Lord. And, and they, you go, it's, it's such an obvious choice. Why haven't you done it? And some people are scared that they'll lose their sense of self if they include Jesus in their lives. And some are just worried that they're going to have to give up too much. And some are scared their lives will become boring and empty. But for those of us who've started this relationship with Jesus, our lives are fuller than ever. And along with this real relationship and peace, real freedom and joy in the previous dark and secret places of our hearts. See, whatever else you may be thinking, I can promise you this real life. Life with a capital L, abundant life is only found in one place. And that's in a real relationship with God. Forget the rules that people are going to try and tell you about. Forget the other personalities like you think you have to be. Come as you are right now and make a start on a relationship with God. Because Jesus did something real on the inside of all of us who have believed. See, I'm, uh, it's not because I'm passionate about rule following or trying to get everybody else to conform to a standard that I prefer. It's because that when I was in a mess and I started my walk with God, He did something on the inside of me that radically transformed me. I can't explain it, but all I know is that my life was radically altered for the better. Something happened on the inside of me. I was made brand new, still myself, but completely new. I'm not preaching today because I was captured by religious theory, but because when I drew near to Jesus and when I called out for help to Him, He showed up and my life was transformed in real ways. And yours can be too. You were created to know God. And every second you live without that relationship is a moment wasted. He wants you to know His love. That's why Jesus came to pay for all our mistake, all our sin, all our shameful moments. He came to wash all of that away so that nothing stands between us and God. Now, the truth is, because you're hearing me today, you have another opportunity to consider these things as God wanted you to. And God wants you to know His love. You say, Greg, what are you suggesting? I'm suggesting that you can make a start today. You can pray a prayer, and if you mean it in your heart, I promise you, He will hear it, and He will respond to you. There are some Christians that I know that you know that are real. You get the feeling it's real for them. Something, something's true about their lives. They really love the Lord, and He really seems to show up in their life. Go find a Christian like that, somebody that you know, somebody that you admire. And I dare you to say to them, listen, man, I prayed a prayer the other day with Greg and I started this relationship, but I need help. Can you help me? See, God 
did not come to judge you. God came to save you. God did not come to wag his finger religiously in your face and tell you all the places that you've fallen short. He came to wrap his arms around you and say, welcome home. Jesus said this, I did not come to condemn the world. I came to save the world. For too long, this great story, this great plan of God, has been sold the bill of goods. People have said, well, God's mad and God's angry and he really wants to judge. But the truth is, God really wants you to know how much he loves you. And he really wants you to know that you can experience that love. Whether you've been walking with Jesus for many, many years or whether today is the first day that you started a relationship with him, you can experience a brand new revolution. Life and peace and forgiveness and beauty, and friendship with God. Friends, I want to just say to you, there is nothing like the life that you can find when you find it in Him. So I swear this to you, God's plan for your life, His dream for you, has always been from the beginning right up until now, that He wants you to know Him, and He wants you to experience His love first and foremost. And that in that love, which is so healing and so transformative, you will find yourself. And all the beauty and all the beauty that He's built into you will come forth. Because in a relationship with Him, you'll find your life. That's what Jesus said. So if you're ready, and if you just want to just sit there, I'm going to pray a prayer in just a few minutes. And I'm going, to, I'm going to pray this prayer. And I, I promise you if, you, if you just bow your head with me while I pray, and you, and you mean it, you don't have to pray out loud. But if you call on God right now, if you say, Jesus, I'm, I'm, I'm lifting this prayer up, I promise you he'll hear. And I promise you this prayer will help change your life. And once you've prayed it, go find a Christian that you, you admire and say, I made this, I made this call. I, I started a relationship. Help me. And they'll walk with you in this. If you're ready to do that, let's pray this prayer coming up right now. Pray with me. Lord, I come to you. And I feel something stirring in my heart. I know that I should know you and I know that I should walk with you. And I've just been too scared to do it. But today, Lord, I come and I say, would you please accept me? Would you draw me into your life? Would you surround me? I believe that you are God. And Father, I believe that you love me. I believe this is always your plan. And so you sent your son. Jesus, I'm amazed that you would come and lay down your life to pay for sins, not your own, and take the beatings for shame that wasn't your own. So, Lord, I just believe that to be true, and I ask you, Lord, to forgive me, to wash away all my sins, to come into my life, to make me brand new, and to lead me I open my heart to you, Jesus. I I thank you for the story of your plan. And I'm asking, Lord, that your life and my life now be connected, that we could walk together, and that all the things I've heard today and many others, Lord, would begin in my own heart. I mean what I'm praying. I receive you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you pray that prayer, I just want to say, well done. That singularly is the most important prayer of your life. 
what Jesus said, all of heaven is celebrating that prayer. That is the beginning of life, the beginning of a whole new day for you. And we'd love to pray for you. If you are with somebody that you trust as a believer, tell them you prayed that prayer. Otherwise, you can just contact our church. Uh, you can call the numbers or you can go to admin at Northlands Church and say, hey, I prayed that prayer. We, we'd love to send you a gift, maybe a Bible to help you out, some messages that will help you down in your relationship with the Lord. But could not be more excited for you that you prayed that prayer with us. God bless you all. Thank you for being with us. We appreciate you being here. Amen.